Do it. Do it now. Do it. Kill him. I can't. I've got anxiety. <laughs> Episode nine. The one is back. Yeah, the most professional and good show on the internet. <laughs> is that yeah. us? I, I don't think I don't think that's overselling it, do you? Have we been awarded that accolade yet? No, I made Why it. Why not? I don't know. They should. I mean, it doesn't exist, I think. We got a guest. We do. An air horn worthy guest. Coming up later. Do we should we say now or leave it as a surprise? Uh it's well we already said it online, so all right, well, it's Tom Morello. Yeah. He's coming in to... Well, he's not coming in. He's... He's calling call, in. Calling us on Skype, which is getting worse and worse every fucking release. <laughs> Skype's a good platform. There are other platforms available. We tried to do a podcast last week. We um, did. That was supposed to be episode nine. So all you people that asked us questions, thank you for those questions. Yeah. But you'll never hear the answers to them. Never. Um, we'll play them later when we're feeling... <laughs> Someday, Sad. yeah, someday. And for the people that called you on Skype, you're all lovely people, but... Basically, I, I tried to quit coffee for too long, and it, it got to my head. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't survive, I couldn't live, I couldn't love without Can't it. live if living is without coffee. Just something about my body needs it to think. If, if I don't have caffeine, my brain shuts down. <clears throat> well, interestingly enough, Rob, coffee being a diuretic would, would increase blood flow to the brain. Would it now? Yep. It would. That should be in fact of the day. Do we have a fact of the day? Well, I mean, before that, you saw me last week, I had the fucking iPhone cable on my head and everything. <laughs> I mean, I just to me, just seemed tired. I was booping the mic with my nose. Like, okay. even if I was tired, I think if, when we get tired, we get silly. Yeah, which is fun sometimes. Yeah, um, but not to that extent. I was like, Fair enough. just couldn't be fucked. Fair enough. So we'll, we might try the sort of Skype call-in thing later. Because um, was, there, was, there was some good stuff there. There was some terrible stuff there as well, but there was some good stuff. This one guy who called in, bless him. He, what was his name, Brian? I can't remember. <laughs> Ta- Taggy G or something? Uh, back from blast from the past. But he basically just went silent on us for like minutes at a time. And it made us feel really awkward and then we didn't know what to do. And then, but then before he hung up, he said... This segment is terrible. <laughs> Which just, it was. It was. But it's partly his fault. He should, he should t- take responsibility. No, he shouldn't be, shouldn't be calling into random shows like that. You never know who's going to be at the other, the other end of the line. It's true. It's very true. So, um, <clears throat> what do we got? Uh, I believe it's an EDM conspiracy. Do we? Mm-hmm. Is it worthy of the theme? Of course it's worthy of the theme. It's, it's the theme. The theme makes it worthy. Yeah. Two chains. I don't know. Go EDM conspiracies. So what do we got? So it says here a woman was awarded 3.8 million US dollars. God damn. Um, in a stage diving lawsuit against poor old Skrillex. We haven't done our due diligence research and find out whether that's true or not, have we? No, I haven't. Did you? <laughs> no. no. I mean, we, we have his number. He's, uh, we could have... It sounds like he's pretty busy, so he probably wouldn't answer. But that's, that's mad. Um, I, I, I read the blurb briefly. Read the blurb briefly. And uh, it was this chick... It was, in, it was in 2012, and this chick... 
I guess he stage dived and fell on her, and um, uh, no, what, I think, that what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think she suffered a stroke, which is terrible. Uh, but um, she's yeah, she's um, sued him, I guess, for damages or or whatever. And it says she, here she she suffered. Uh, she experienced a stroke 16 days later. Damn. What? Yeah. Um, she suffered injury from the impact and experienced a stroke 16 days later. I mean... That's a that's a tough one to... That is a tough one. Oh, obviously, we're sitting here with no fucking knowledge of anything that happens. So. When, when, when do strokes do? But <laughs> <laughs> When do strokes do? Do you know what I mean? But that's pretty dark. That is dark. But that's a lot of fucking money. Um but like, I don't know. If you go, if you go to a rave, I guess if you go to a rave, you don't expect it to be a mosh pit. But it is these days. Like, is there is there an element of of culpability in in the fact that you're putting yourself in a crowd and things like that? I mean, obviously, I don't condone stage diving because I don't want someone to grab my junk. I think, <laughs> and they are trying. Um, I think. Is it a case of like the closer you get to the front, the more you have to be prepared for a good old ruckus? It's true. I feel like if this was ruckus, it, who the fuck is that? Bring word? the ruckus. I feel like now I think about it. If this is a, a thing that's gone to like a court and a judge that doesn't understand our important music, EDM, he's probably like, well, someone should be entitled to enjoy a concert without injury. So that's probably their thinking. I agree with that. Yeah. But I think as a punter, you should probably be quite aware that you're walking into the beast of the belly. <laughs> the beast of the belly. You walk into the belly of the beast, especially these days. You see those mosh pits. Remember, remember we, we had to stop that gig in Leeds because people like <laughs> getting crushed. That's happened. It's happened a few times. Actually. Yeah. I remember once at Reading, I think it was, Reading Festival. Oh, yeah. We had the big... Knife Party brand Haunted House on stage. Love that house. Um, and the crowd was, yeah. I mean, it's dangerous out there. I mean, think about it from the crowd's perspective. If you were attending a Bette Midler concert... Mm-hmm. And someone was disturbing the... And that bitch lands on me. I'm taking her to the cleaners. Like... Yeah, no, I agree. Her house, dogs... Her, resi- and, her Vegas residency. Pots and pans, her Resident Evil copy for PS4. I'm taking all that shit. I wonder if she has Fallout 76. I hope not. Have you played it? Yes, I do. What's your opinion so far? Uh, um, I love it. This is a tangent, but I love it. Um, it's not, I, I think I prefer the old one. I like, I personally like a storyline. So I was sort of, fo- I try to follow the little storyline quest and stuff. And what's cool about it though is because it's all online, which is annoying a lot of people, by the way. Is there a story sort of quest at all though? Yeah, there, yeah, it's, it's there. Because I've, I've played it for about. F- <laughs> Admittedly, admittedly, not enough time, sort of five, ten minutes. But from what I could tell so far, there's no fucking... I couldn't really see much of a story once you get out of the vault and past the shit. Oh, yeah, so you, you follow the overseer. So the person that left... This is unapplicable to everyone that's listening. But you you follow that storyline, and you so you can follow the storyline, but it's still online. So there's, like, other dudes running around. Like, I I tweeted at some guy... I put on Twitter, like, this is my screen name, someone come and fucking help me. And some people came and helped me. Like, this guy came and helped me and it was great. And I got to, like, level up because he was kind of watching my back. But it's like, yeah, it's got lots of new, lots of new monsters and beasts and new 
lots of new ghouls. You see the you see those ghouls? There's lots of new ghouls to shoot. Have fun shooting ghouls. <laughs> Have fun fucking ghouls. No, you don't fuck them. Okay, delete it. So, do you see other people in the game? Yeah, just run past. See, I never see anyone. Yeah, it's, it's just me. I know what you mean, but if you go to the map, you can see where they are. And yeah, but literally, I'm at the entrance. I'm at the front of the festival. <laughs> You're not on, on the guest, not on the guest list. And I'm on my own, and I'm sad. <laughs> and there's just no one there. There's like me, a fucking robot, uh, some broken TVs, a toaster that well, I've scrapped already. Well, what you got to do is follow the yellow brick road. You know, you, you know, on the pit boy that's on your wrist. Um, it, it, okay, is this after the airport? What? What about the airport? Oh, for fuck! Did up. you get that far? Yeah. Oh, so you you played it more than 10 minutes. You got to the airport that quickly? No. God, that took me ages. Maybe you just wandered down there. Well, I I snuck past everything. You you know (laughs) when that meter comes up and it says caution? Uh, Yeah, you got to sneak. I just snuck past the whole lot. (laughs) Snuck past the robot. (laughs) Right, we'll need to set up online online playing and and go and... But anyway. But anyway, anyway, shall we play a music? Yes. Uh, Play us a banger, DJ. This one's by Tenzin. It's Raven.
belter. I, I want to play that in our sets. What other segments have we got? Oh, any fact of the week? Yes, that is one thing we do have. Go on. Tell you what we don't have. What? The fucking jingle. Wait. <laughs> Exciting fact of the week. You laugh every time that happens. It's just so funny. Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, apparently, uh, we had a better fact, but yeah, I pressed a button and it went away. So, What's it, this one? Apparently, the heart of an astronaut actually gets smaller when in outer space. Amazing. Yeah. I guess, cause, well, that, that would make sense because the heart is a muscle. Because so, muscles are atrophy. Do you think it's pressure in the or something? No, or? it's well, because there's no gravity, muscles have nothing to push against. So yeah. muscle mass and density. Like, you know, you see some of those astronauts when they've landed in Kazakhstan, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I think it's Kazakhstan. And, like, they can't walk. Like, some of them, if they've been out there for ages, have to learn to walk again. Well, I knew, I knew about the muscle thing. I guess the heart is a muscle. Yeah, so. so I guess if it's not pushing on gravity as well as blood, I guess it... It reduces in size. I wonder if it goes back to normal once they come here. Did you know on that, did you know that, you know, when fighter pilots are in a fighter plane and they eject, they're like four inches shorter for the next year or two. In dick size. (laughs) In dick size and in spine size. So when they eject, the the ejection is so forceful that their spine compresses and and they're literally shorter for like inches and inches shorter for... Ages. I feel like four inches is quite a lot. What's that? Well, I guess that's a... A, di- a small dick. A small dick or chipolata. Chipolata. And... That's quite a lot to lose. Yeah, it's quite a lot. But apparently you like slinky out again eventually. <laughs> like Mr. Burns in that episode. Yeah. I bring you love. That one. That's the one. I love that. One thing I saw recently... Hillary Clinton said something on Friday. Uh, I think last Friday. That was a bit odd, and I wasn't really wasn't really sure what, what to think of it. But she said she said this, and this is probably going to get too boring for some of our. What's the hill dog up to? She said, "I think Europe needs to get a handle on migration because that is what lit the flame." Uh, referring to sort of the right wing uh, yeah, yeah, populist. Yeah movement or or phenomenon that's sort of taken place recently. And I admire the very generous and compassionate approaches that were taken particularly by leaders like Angela Merkel. But I think it's fair to say Europe has done its part. We are not going to be able to continue to provide refuge and support. Uh, She's saying that they won't... No, I mean, she's saying that Europe has to send a a clear message. Um, What the fuck? It's a bit of a weird one. I mean, this is coming from a from a uh, a Democrat, and an American Democrat. Well, I mean, American. The American left is pretty far to the right of maybe even the Tories here. Yeah, that's in, true. In a weird way. So why the fuck is she chiming in on European agendas? Well, I think what she, what she's saying is that she's looking at the whole Trump election and she's looking at Brexit and saying, right, the reason that both of those happened, she thinks. Um, I'm not sure if it's true or not. I have no idea. The the reason that happened, she thinks, is because of my, uh, migration and taking in refugees and stuff like that. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty broad. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if it's true, but if if it is, what a fucking weird sort of thought experiment. That on on one hand, 
if you are compassionate and accept the migrants, you cause more right-wing populism and you cause more of the Trump and Brexit and shit to happen. Oh, yeah, I get what you mean. So having having a very relaxed stance on bringing people into your country is going to piss some of these people that, that are, I guess, people that are harbouring ultra-right views and stuff like that are going to bring them to the surface if more and more people... So if you're doing the right thing, you actually end up creating a monster. Yeah, and, it, and it's going to... What they say is that it's going to dig out the people in the centre and, and force them sort of... Left or right. Yeah, left or right. Yeah, that's, a, that's deep, man. Like, Which gives people the chance to sort of, you know, flood the internet with... With, with hate. With bullshit and, and, and get people elected that otherwise wouldn't have. Hillary, you, if you're listening, call in and tell us what you really think. I think it's interesting, you know, I mean, if you, if you don't accept... Which do you choose? Do you choose more right-wing populism or do you choose fucking... Well, I feel like politics, uh, politicians generally will do what's in their best interests. Like, you know, history has always stated that. So... I think everyone does, though. Just yeah. human nature in general. So you would think... Kind that, of. You'd think that they would be going towards making making decisions and policy that would that would keep the people that are voting for them happy. But whereas it seems like they've done the opposite. Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> You're tuned into Radio 3. <laughs> we stand at Ultra and put our hands up. What the fuck are we talking about this for? I mean, it's relevant. It is, it's relevant, man. It is interesting though, I think. It is fucking interesting. But then I just remembered. Well, I think what I know what, what you're saying is like the interesting part is by doing the right thing and helping out people in need from other countries you've actually just, you're spoiling the cake. You, you know that, you know that, uh, I don't know if it's a meme or just a graphic or whatever, but you know that, that uh, I'll say meme, uh, with this sort of two train tracks and it's a, it sort of goes to two train, train tracks out of one and there's one person lying on one and there's like three pe- people lying on the other train track and yeah. you got to choose which one it runs over. It's kind of like the same thing. I guess. It's like, just, it's, I mean, it's it's an interesting view of it, but the more we've talked about it, I kind of feel like it might be quite applicable. I mean, it's 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 shit that all these people, all these ultra leftist kind of people have been brought out of the woodwork because of... Ultra was, right, you mean? Right, yeah, sorry. Um, have been brought out of the woodworks just because of countries, you know, accepting people in crisis. Yeah. Well, that's fucked up. So which do you choose? Which do I choose? Do I have to choose? No, I'd can't, say no. Can't my elected, elected public officials choose for me? Yes. <laughs> but that means I have to vote? No. Go out and vote, kids. It's too late now, they've already had. Okay. That's fucking dark. That is dark, isn't it? But very interesting. I think politics is full of those sort of things. We, you're damned if you do and you're damned if yeah, you don't. You help one thing, fuck another. Fuck one thing, help another, maybe. <laughs> True. Go to war, don't go to war. But anyway, this next one's by Break. Who's, uh, he's always been a pretty good producer. He's a good producer, yeah. Uh, he's had a lot of sort of really well-produced, interesting tracks. But He's a good drinking buddy as well, if to, you ever get a chance. Is he? Yeah. I never met him. Good guy. But yeah, he hit it out the park with this one. Check it out. Mm-hmm. 
Tune. Banger. Big up break. That bass is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's sick. It's good to hear an inventive DB track. Yeah. I'm like, hearing a lot lately, to be fair. Drum and bass seems like it's coming back in a big way. Like it, it used to sound like the old <laughs> unloved stepchild. And now it's sort of coming back as as it actually sounds like probably one of the only genres that sounds fresh right now. 
exactly. Um, I think what that's what happens to genres when they go through a long period of cycling and they get bored of themselves and, and start reinventing. I guess you have to. Yeah. Or go away like brakes. Well. <laughs> because brakes turned into electro, didn't it? That it sure just, did go away, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. But for a minute, it was real, real exciting. Albeit ploddy, it was exciting. Very ploddy. Big up the plumps. Big up plumps. Love that. So have you watched anything interesting or seen anything interesting? Any good TV, any good movies? Actually just been on a weird YouTube one. Um, oh yeah, that's yep. always good. I've been watching a there's a there's it's not it's not a series, it's just like a bunch of videos that some guy put up. Well, I guess it's I guess it's a series of sorts, but uh it was like the most compelling police interrogations. Uh, and it's like a it's so like, that sounds like Netflix bait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it would be an amazing Netflix show, but it's like just eight of the well, there's eight parts and each part has like like three, four, five different police interrogations. Of famous cases or it's just a very interesting... It's not famous cases, it's any interesting cases. Right, okay. And some of them you might not even have heard of, but the, this guy goes into like backstories and like shows you pictures of, not exactly what happened, but like shows you pictures of circumstances and fucking explains it a bit. It's I'm, I'm willing to that, I'm going to check that out. So is, are they just specifically British or American or? Uh, there's, there's not very many British. There's, there's a lot of Americans, um, but it's fucking nuts and a bit. So these are, these are people who like definitely were found guilty later. Right. So then they're allowed to release. Uh, I think, I, I'm not sure what the conditions are for that. Maybe if you're found guilty, then you are allowed to release or. And I guess all that information becomes public property. Uh, I guess they see if it's in the public interest or not. But, um, Fair enough. There, there's some. It's just crazy how some people try and play it so straight, and they're just they're just not giving anything away. Like, well, I went to the shops, you know, and I then I went, went to the gym and just was working out a bit, and, and when I came back, uh, she was, uh, you know, uh, just, just dead. And he sort of explains about where they fucked up. It's it's really interesting. Like, okay, see what he said there. That's because he. That was sort of a tell that he was unsure about uh, that his sorry. whereabouts or something. Yeah, and that he was trying to bullshit. And then they, while the investigator is talking to them, they're explaining the techniques that they're using. Right. It, so it's, oh, it's, that's well interesting. It's it's fucking amazing. I, I watched every single one. And are these guys like trained in that in interrogation? Or yeah. They just like because you know when you see on, on like NYPD Blue or, or a show like that, it's the same guys that made the arrest and the stars of the show are the ones doing the interrogation. It's like you guys haven't got all these skill sets. Yeah, exactly. Surely they've got a some. Surely they've got like a, a person that they just wheel in. <laughs> I don't know why wheel in, but that they just bring them into the room for like specifically just to interrogate. Like that's an interrogation done. <laughs> Probably, the- I think I was imagining Hannibal Lecter being wheeled in. That's why yeah. I said wheeling. There was some, there was some small town case where like some dude was found, I don't know, uh, shooting someone or something, and it was this happens. It was the most incompetent of the investigators, right? Where <laughs> the guy, these two guys come in and they they plant the dude down. He's in handcuffs. Why'd you do it, Mahoney? And yeah, <laughs> and, and the other guy's like, "Can I get you a drink or anything?" And he's like. You're playing good cop, bad cop, huh? And, and <laughs> the guy who's blatantly playing the good cop goes, well, no, I'm uh, I, I'm usually the prick. And the guy goes, you look like a prick. <laughs> it's just, just fucking taking oh, the piss out of them the whole time. That's too funny. But um, the, one of the most 
fucking frightening ones was this uh, kid who was 16 mm. who's being interviewed like like a day or, or like even a few hours after killing like mum, dad, sister, brother, uh, I think and another brother and meant to kill a baby but forgot about it because it was in a crib. Fucking hell. So basically made a pact with his brother who was 18 uh, to kill the whole family because they idolised the Columbine people. Oh, shit. And so they were planning to kill their whole family and then go on a rampage and sort of get guns and just go to random restaurants and random garages and fire and fucking kill people. But Holy shit. they sort of made the mistake of not knowing that once you start popping off guns and killing your family, the police a fucking neighbour's going to call the cops. Yeah. That's so dark. But so what, he, he was being interviewed badly? Uh, no, he pretty much confessed to shit straight away, which was weird to see because every single other case in this series, they were trying to... Wiggle, wiggle out of it, yeah, yeah. and trying to be sneaky with it. This guy just straight up said, look, did this, then I had these guns here, We, I told my brother we'd do this, and then I slit her throat, and then I went here, Fuck I shot him in the face, blah, 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 blah. That's so dark. How does how does someone get that mentally sick and it not get picked up on? Don't, don't you don't you think like you, how has not anyone spotted that this kid's even getting close to the point where he's gonna? Well, what's what's fucking weird about it is it's not as if you look at this kid and you go, "What a fucking psycho!" Yeah, you just look at this kid and it seems like some fucking socially awkward kid at school that we'd probably have seen when we went to school. Yeah. And he's just like one of the awkward kids in the in the corner with fucking slightly weird hair. He's just harboring this mad shit. Yeah, and talking about it like it's a fucking prank or homework shit that went wrong or something. It's just like, see, I, I'm not a professional in the industry, but I, 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 that sounds like from what you've, I've seen and read and stuff like that. That sounds like his ability to talk about it and have that little empathy means that he's either either a sociopath or a psychopath. Which means how has no one picked up on that yet? But it seemed to me like the kid was fucking more spun out by everything. I mean, imagine... Like in shock almost. Yeah. I mean, imagine if... Yeah. It's kind of hard to put yourself in the same shoes because you'd never actually do it. <laughs> no. But like, imagine if you can putting yourself in his shoes, like maybe more than like... You were pushed to the point where you did something that mad. Yeah. And and it happened and your fucking family's dead and now you've had a few hours to think about it and it almost seems like a fucking dream, like it wasn't real. Yeah. So maybe instead of being sad, you'd just be fucking like confused. You'd definitely be in shock. Because that's what it seems like. Either in shock or just zero empathy. But the fucking look on the... And the, and the cops, as this guy's telling him, they're just like, well, you know, yeah, can we get you anything? I mean, we can get you a pen to sign these things. Just after, like, this kid's been like, yeah, I cut her throat, I shot him. And they're like, Fuck. well, you know, I mean, if you can just sign here saying this and, you know, I mean... An admission of guilt. I'm sure right? you're not that sort of guy and just being normal with him. And I'm like, fucking hell. That's, you couldn't be normal, would you? Would that's you? just skill to keep a straight face around someone like that and not be like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, how do you keep a straight face when that person's telling you what they've just done? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's mad. Anyway, you seen anything interesting lately? Not to compare with that, no. <laughs> that's that's a ball out of the park. I would do want to check that out. That sounds madly interesting. It's just like the psychology behind it as well. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these some of these police get quite fucked up by having to play a psychological game so often, and then you know when they get told things like that, I imagine it really fucks with them, like PTSD or some shit. 
I don't want to be a policeman, Rob. I'd, I'd like to be a. I'd like to be a. Uh, what, what are they called? The guys who ask the investigator, detective. I don't know. Interrogator. I'd like to be an interrogator. I, I don't think I could do it. Not in the Guantanamo Bay sense. No. In the police. Yeah. Criminal sense. It would be interesting, but I kind of feel <laughs> like I wouldn't have the chops. Like I'd be sitting there. <laughs> Being Just like, tell us you did it, cunt. Well, I mean, some of them get to that point, and I kind of feel like I'd get to that point where have you have you seen Making a Murderer? Yes, yeah. Have you seen the second series? Not yet. Yeah, it's it's on the list to watch. Um, but there's man, it sounds like a lot of watch. Like I watch a lot of shit. I guess I do. Um, yeah, at one point the guy is trying to pin it on him and trying to find out what he what he knows so he can link the story in and sort of pin him on charges right and that's that's like the the one piece of evidence that he has to, that he can pin him on is the fact that this girl was uh shot in the face mm. okay and the public doesn't know it and nobody knows this fucking piece of information except the person that would have done it except the person that would have done it and the kid's not fucking saying it and so you see the cop going like <laughs> what happened to her head Brad, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, we cut it. And then, no, 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 no. What happened to her head? That's Brad? right, because when they were interviewing the kid as well, they came and what happened to her head? And yeah. he's like, oh, we he, kissed it. Or something like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> he, he cut was, her hair. He cut her hair, yeah. yeah. What, what happened to her head, Brad? It was big. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, he's just yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to fucking say it. Who shot her in the fucking head? And, and just by saying and that. that was leading the witness. That was coercing, wasn't it? That's what they were saying was coercion because the kid was saying yes to anything they said. Yeah, and as soon as that. I mean, that's that. I think that's the reason it got so high in, and went to like the Seventh Circuit to be contested. Because that's what fucked it for them was in giving him the details that yeah. he didn't seem to know. Just because it was too frustrating. I feel like I'd be in that same position. So, um, shall we? Uh... Ghosts, true or real? <laughs> Call us now. Well, <laughs> let's change the subject. This is giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, Falklands War. Fucking Falklands War, criminal mastermind, economic policy, probably. This is a good podcast, man. Nah, play a song. Well, we'll see after this. Yeah, uh, this next one's Lie Kelly, forty-seven, tick boom, and the thing that us and her have in common is both on uh, our next guest's new album, The Atlas Underground. Really. Mild-mannered, 
No stress, I never let her broke. Get she vexed. Too weak to walk with the rest. Abstract, fearless. Must say what's from my chest. They got them try, but them they're not test. Take, boom, and I really care what my bump into. All in your face like one. Air Max, Congos. Got that Bruce Lee right down the glow. Me over pop me head. And if it is though, said it only pop my head. In for the dough. I never stay long, got places to go. See me on a scene, say hello. I get that bag, then I want more. I am the show, the name will grow. I see O and I see Ho. Let me R E my you bro. They all wanna be cause I am ghost. Came from the dirt, so I stay low. F A B and so get to. They copy and paste a chain, no, no. Your birds might not want cross that road. Cause, take. Boom, man, I really care what my bump into. Bulldozer, make room. Write that pan for me too. Take, boom, man, I really care what my bump into. Bulldozer, make room. Write that pan for me too. Well, that was good. That was great. That was a banger. I love those drums. Shall we uh, head head on over to our guest? We should. Welcome, Tom Morello, to the Knifecast. Hello, Knifecast. What's up? Nice to speak with you. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? I'm well, thanks. How's the weather? I'm here. Well, it's uh, it's less fiery than it's been in Southern California lately, so that's uh, things are looking up. Did you, Did you guys notice anything in LA? Like any? Was there any smog or anything d- oh, down where yeah, you guys live? Kids' soccer games got canceled. The air quality was pretty horrible, and a Damn. couple and a couple of friends' houses burned down. But other than that, everything was just fine. So you, you knew a few people that were greatly affected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty crazy. But it's, it seems to have simmered down now. So man, it's crazy how fast that shit moves. Yeah, it's uh, it's not recommended. One of the fortunately, one of the Rick Rubin has owns that studio Shangri La, which is like the famous studio where you know Dylan yeah. recorded and all that, and that was right in the path of it, and it survived mercifully. Wow. That was, yeah, I bet I bet there's some equipment costs there that would uh, <laughs> cripple the guy. That would be high. I don't know if they'd cripple it, but they'd be high. So anyway, how are you guys? What's going on? Where are you at right now? We're good. Um, we're just, uh, you know, working on some new material for Knife Party, and then hoping to move on to Pendulum as well. And cool. and we're doing a podcast now, as you, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. But we're other than that, we're in shitty old London, where uh, there's it no ch- cold. There's no chance of fires because it fucking rains all the time. Ah, uh, uh, well, that's London has other charms, but that uh, warm warm weather in the in December in November might not be one of them. And and happy upbeat people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did you did you just toured recently? Did you manage to come through the UK? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I was in UK. I was in London for maybe about five or six days. It was like you know one of the one of those promo runs where you right. you know you get about a half hour a day to drink a coffee and walk around the park, and then it's it's back to the same ten questions again and again and again. And again. <laughs> well, we'll try and avoid those ones. Yeah, we'll try and avoid. No, those no, ones. Yeah, so, so far you have. So far you have. So, so what's your favorite good. color? <laughs> That's it's always funny. a good one. So should we should we t- should we tell your listeners about our 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 long exciting history? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I, I had uh, yeah, I, 
was never, I grew up on like metal and punk and hip hop. And one of the realms of music that was never of interest to me was electronic music. I had always, or at least my understanding of it. And I had uh, always equated it with Italian taxi cab music. <laughs> elevated, what, elevated music. My impression and what my impression was of like horrible Ibiza yacht parties. That's sort of what I thought, you know, it, yeah. um, it, it is, it is yeah. still that. Yeah. And it's, all, and it's all that. And it's all that. But, yeah. um, but, but so much more. So a friend, like a metal friend of mine, I was uh, working on a song and, and he turned me on to a group called knife party. He said, check this out. You might like it. I was like, holy shit. Like that sounds like great heavy metal music to me. And, uh, and well, it, it, you know, we, we, we definitely have the metal influences. That's for absolutely, sure. I mean, but not just in, in, in the sort of the, uh, the, 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 the tension and the release you know, that is a big part of like the Rage Against the Machine catalog and then the the, the, the huge deliveries and things like that. And I was like, oh, then I just kept digging and I found, you know, through that I found Skrillex and Bass Nectar and this one and that one. And I was like, okay, hold on. And that really was the thing that at the time I was settling in to make you know, like another yeah, kind of rock, yeah. rockish record. And I thought, well, there's a possibility of like sort of forging a, you know, like a new subgenre of rock and roll that, that leans heavily on, you know, kind of Marshall Stack 70s riffs and crazy guitar sounds, but then that. also yeah. has the sonic fury of what you guys do. And you were the first people that I reached out to um, for the album that eventually became my Atlas Underground record. And we did a song together called Battle Sirens, which we performed very dramatically at the <laughs> at the ultra festival, I guess, two, three years ago now, something like that. Where, probably. We did where before it nearly happened, your, your, uh, amps weren't even mic'd. <laughs> yes. Well, I wouldn't, you know, not, I don't want to disparage your, your hardworking crew, but I, I would suggest that perhaps they didn't have a tremendous amount of experience miking my particular amp. And so we walk, I walk out there. How many people are there? Like 130,000 people or something and like, like that. And like 30 million watching it on stream and <laughs> 30 million watching it on stream and my amps out there and I'm psyched and I'm ready to like strike the first massive chords of, <laughs> and I look back at my amp and there's no microphone on. <laughs> and wow. Donnie from Guildford forgot to mic it up. <laughs> well, that, they all got fired and then sent to the gulags and then whipped. <laughs> I, I, I howled into the darkness of the side stage. Mike me! <laughs> Mike me! And, all, and it all worked out. You, there's YouTube proof that it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, and I was so, I just, so, you know, I've said this before to you guys, but it was a real, a real pleasure working with you guys. And the song that we made is uh, one of my favorite jams that I've been involved in. And it's, you know, and it came out, you guys released it around then. And it, came, it was the first side one song run on my uh, new record, The Atlas Underground. So uh, it was a real honor to rock with you guys. And I'm happy to do it anytime. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think electronic music and rock music are kind of strange uh, bedfellows. Bed <laughs> yeah. I love that word. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, they, they don't always work together. It can sound a bit cheesy if it's done wrong, but I think, yeah, yeah I think, I think we hit it from the right. Well, I mean, interestingly, the other people you listed, Bass Nectar and Skrillex, they they come from metal backgrounds like us. So exactly. Exactly, which I found out too. I was also surprised to find that Steve Aoki, he was he's, he was a big Rage Against the Machine fan, but he was also a big fan of Inside Out, which was Zach's pre-Rage Against the Machine really? straight, straight edge hardcore band. And he got his start like in, you know, basement parties spinning punk tunes. So yeah, um, yeah that's a, it was very interesting to find that that was a, a common denominator and very little Italian taxicab music was cited. <laughs> well, I guess Italian taxicab music wasn't available really. Um, <laughs> in, unless you were going to those parties. So we, growing up, you know, for us, it was all, it was guitar-based music and, and metal, which, yeah, sa and then, which sadly, there's, you know, guitar music seems to be taking a bit of a back seat, unfortunately, exactly. to... 
that's one of, that's one of the reasons why I made this this record is yeah. I wanted it to be in a way like a Trojan horse, you know, mm. and and to introduce you know fans of you know because on the record from you know from Portugal the man to you know to uh, I guess Rise Against Wood, but you know from Wu Tang to Vic Mensa, uh, you know to Killer Mike and Big Boy. There's a lot of artists on there that maybe don't have screaming guitar solos on their records, yeah. but we've come together to make these collaborations that are going to enter like the song, the song, the song, uh, every step that I take, which was produced by Weathan and, um, and his Portugal man, Johnny singing on it. And that's a song that, you know, it's like, it's on the alternative charts. And it's the first time somebody, you know, text me and said, it's like the first time in 10 years that a song on like the alternative charts in the U S has had a guitar solo in it. <laughs> like also along that vein, do you think that even though electronic music kind of has the energy that I guess you know you had with punk and and early metal and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't really. I don't. I don't feel like it really carries much much of a message. Do you think that's no, in, Do you think that's it's, important? Or it's, it's, in some ways, it's designed not to. Right. You yeah. know. That's a. Uh, I mean. I mean. I guess if you count those kind of early '90s raves in Great Britain at Stonehenge that were kind of oh yeah, it was anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, political act in themselves, but but uh, but no, and that and that's another thing too that I, I wanted to inject in this record, like a you know we're, it's our jam is is one that's basically instrumental and just as a mm. ass ass kicking album starter. Yeah, we, but, call, we uh, call it the machine gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the. Uh, you know, but there's a theme of social justice ghost stories on this record and the idea of, you know, telling the, being like the voice for the voiceless and whether it's people who die in the desert trying to cross the border or people who are murdered by police. And, you know, to be, have a sonic uh, immediacy that's like 2018, yeah. but to have a – I, I mean, I want to, I wanna, you know, break the mosh pit in half, but I also want to inform the dance floor. Now, those are <laughs> long you can, yeah, and, you, and you can't really take a, take a break and get a clipboard out and show a slideshow on the, on the yeah, big screens. Exactly. This, exactly. Is happen, yeah. this is happening to our country. And welcome, Noam Chomsky, who will now speak. <laughs> the kids yeah, all love that. Yeah. Labor unions. Please keep the pit going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the album name itself, that, this is one of those boring questions, but um, it's, uh, is that a mashup of Atlas Shrugged and Weather Underground? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Atlas, of course, is the the, mystic, the mythical figure who carried the weight of eternally carried the weight of the world on his shoulders, and the underground is a you know a, a, a conspiratorial group bent on mischief. And I thought those two things <laughs> that's really know, cool. Yeah, very clearly summed up what we're getting at here. But you, you know what the mad the mad thing is about even though music doesn't seem to have a message at the moment politically, well, not a lot of electronic music does. It seems that everyone's it, everyone. I guess via the internet and comments and all this stuff, but everyone seems to be quite active. At least everyone seems to have a, a goddamn opinion right now. Sure, <laughs> I think I think the latter might be more true. Yeah, rather than uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the internet has exposed us to a lot of different things. One is the democratization of music, so that you know, you, me, and you know, the kid walking by the street and Metallica all have a Spotify page. Yeah. Uh, is very democratic but and also everyone can express their damn opinions in a comment section which may not be the greatest <laughs> it's true just but like do you think that the that being bands and having these kind of reaches towards people do you think that's important to yeah well i mean i think the only responsibility you have as an artist is to be honest you know and if you if you if you do have opinions about the world or your community or whatever and you and you self-censor for the sake of you yeah, know, yeah. Trying yeah. to make money or something, then I think there's an extra hot level of Dante's Inferno for yeah. you. Yeah, uh, but, level eight. Yeah, exactly. But heaven forbid, like I, I'm not trying to convince people who do not have political opinions to pretend to have them for my sake. Because if it, it feels like even if you show 
for us, for example, if you, even if you show just a crumb of political commentary, you just get slaughtered in a second. Especially sure. Twitter sure. and platforms like that. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I kind of, the, good, the good news is I, I've, I've worn my audience over the years and trimmed trimmed the branches yeah. of the tree. Yeah. But still, I mean, still, I mean, I'm, this, this record, this is my 19th studio album yeah. that I've made. And still, you know, in, in my Instagram comments, people will be outraged that I won't just shut up and play guitar. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. Where, like, where have you been? Realizing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, yeah. the re- and the reason I mentioned it is because I don't know if I've had my head in the sand, which is probably likely, but I feel like with this, you know, like the last midterms that just happened, I felt like bands and celebrities really got involved. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Do you think is that, do you think that's a new thing? I think I, I think that that I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, say it's just bands and celebrities. I think that people, regardless of their yeah. location, feel a great deal of anxiety and fear about you know the direction that the world is heading, and you know are speaking out. I mean, Rage Against the Machine. We made our you know first records during the Bill Clinton administration. You know? <laughs> yeah. so we, were, we were you know kind of on the forefront of speaking out during the times that might not have seemed quite as chaotic as uh, um, as these do. But I really do think that it's not just you know, yes, celebrities are speaking out because because garbage men are speaking out and students are speaking out and everyone's speaking out that like like the we're at a, a literal crossroads of this planet. And this may literally be the most dangerous administration in the history of humankind with regards to sort of the environmental policies yeah. that are, you know, are being uh, damaging environmental policies that are accelerating to a potential tipping point where the kind of civilization that we've had, you know, been building and growing over the course of centuries could go away, you know, in the next 50 to 100 years. Yeah. And, and isn't it mad and scary that, like, the environmental issues just one on the list of many exactly. issues that need exactly. to be? Yeah, and, there, and there's such a flurry. I mean, there's a lot of, there's plenty of causes uh, to get behind. But, you know, like, I've, you know, I've got young kids and I sort of wonder, you know, you know, from the wildfires to the hurricanes to the, the you floods. know, to the, to the floods to the end polar bears becoming extinct. Like, it's like, it's a planet that is really changing in some not so great ways. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's really now or never. And I, the way that I look at like, like I'm cursed being a guitar player. Like I didn't really choose that. That chose me. So I'm stuck, you know, with that. <laughs> so, so the way I look at it is like, I've, you know, I, my job is to express my convictions via my vocation yeah, through the media. It's an artist. You're in, yeah. you know, it's the hammer that I swing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, even though the, that administration's in and there's a lot of division in America, there's like Brexit happening in the UK, I guess w- one positive side effect of all that is that people are getting more tuned in to the shit that's happening um, if, sure. if they were sure. apathetic before. But it's like, it's where does the shit end? Yeah, I guess it, there's always going to be a generation of rebellion. So I guess maybe the administration being bad is what's going to wake people up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways it's last chance to dance. I mean, uh, b- bad presidents always make for good music. So that's yeah. kind of... That's been a constant, uh, but it really is. We're sort of at a now or never point, you know. And, Definitely. And, uh, and and we'll see what uh, what transpires. But uh, the way that I look at, it, like you know, you, your responsibility and mine is part part of what you like. I deal in the political business of enjoyment. You know, yeah. like it's it, you have to you do have to break the mosh pit in half in order. Like you know, if you've got something to say, no one's going to care to hear it unless it's a cool ass riff. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, that's true. You know, <laughs> the riff comes uh, first. Because that's the that's the that's the job is like that's the craft and the art and whatnot and then you know part of that in in my in my 
job, particular job. It's, you know, having a, you know, decades long relationship with an audience uh, and a back and forth communication about what's going on on the planet. Yeah, exactly. But based on, based on those kind of like, you know, the political ideals and stuff like that, I've always, even though we've hung out quite a few times, I've always wanted to ask, uh, what was what was Cuba like when you went out? Yeah, well, I mean, that was massive for us. We tried to go down there with Rage Against the Machine and didn't figure it out. So when we formed Audio Slave with Chris Cornell, I was like, we get, we job one has to be to get to Cuba because no American rock band had ever played in the country of Cuba ever. Uh, so and it was just, this kind of like rock and roll blockade. And so <laughs> it, it took a rock you know, block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, like. Uh, we had to get the sign off from the from the U.S. Treasury Department, and Cuba had to get the sign off, like the Ministry of Culture, or whatever. See that? And, that's, uh, that's what I was interested in. Like, what was the, what was the bo boring oh, the boring logistics of getting? Like, did you get a visa? Did you? It was like the Treaty of Versailles, dude. It was like <laughs> in order to get us down there, we had to um, we had to go. We couldn't just go and play a concert. That's just not allowed via the rules of the U.S. embargo. So we had. To go. What would have happened if you if you just said fuck it like five years earlier and, and gone and done that? You can't, you, I mean, you can't get in the country. I mean, it's not, there's not like no, I mean, I guess we could have had some sort of flotilla, you know, <laughs> yeah. landed on shore, but we went as a cultural exchange. Right. So there were, there were very specific conditions to that cultural exchange. So we went for a five day trip and our part of the exchange was to provide a musical concert for free to the people of Havana. So we had to bring in everything. Like we had to bring in the PA, everything. It was probably expenses were around, you know, over a million dollars to like play it to play a show down did, there. Did the federal then, treasury help you out? They did not in no in no way. I think it was the Bush administration, so they were not looking to help no, us out. No, um, they had things other things to worry about. Exactly, exactly. And then, and so then the Cuban side, they provided us four days of kind of showing us around the country and the culture, which was pretty amazing. You know, from yeah. just, just old just the cars, yeah, yeah, just the cars. But I mean, like we went to this one old um, country club that had been exclusively for like rich mafia people and u.s you know fancy folk and they had turned it into this school for it's a jazz school for underprivileged kids wow and then they then they put on a concert which was awesome and at the end of the at the end of the trip we left behind all of our you know a lot of our instruments and strings and stuff because they don't have any of that so anyway it was pretty fantastic but we were the first and then here's the thing like the the damn rolling stones made a documentary pretending to be the first big rock show ever in cuba <laughs> those british bastards yeah, yeah. <laughs> We played for 70,000 people on the Malacan. Wow, Pretty awesome. Yeah. That's mad. I'd love to go someday. I just want to see the cars. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, well, I'm not sure under the Trump administration, but it's certainly if your passports aren't U.S., it's an easier route to go, you know? Yeah. Okay, okay. Being in, being in L.A., have you heard, a bit of a side topic, have, being in L.A., have you heard anything about that, that threatened guy that had the band in the no. U.K.? No, who's that? It's just some just some dude that I read about the other day. He's some guy from LA that uh, came over. Uh, his, his name is Threatin, and yeah. he, he, they reckon he was a I don't know he he was a band that contacted all these venues. His management said they they had a lot of followers and fans and shit. And it turns out that every single one of the fans was like a fake account. Oh my god! Every single one. So, so, so like fake like fake likes and. Eddie has a number one record in London right now. <laughs> well, maybe, but uh, <laughs> no, I haven't heard that story. But it sounds like it's 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 ripe. Is he any good? Well, have you seen that movie, The Room? Yes, it's yes. it's kind of like the musical equivalent of that. It's like oh this yeah. guy's like obviously ha had money somehow. He's paid a bunch of people to make music videos and just come out oh and yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's there's all those are always around. 
but so so it's it it's manufactured like so he he yeah completely every facebook fan fake every twitter follower fake oh my god that's pretty fantastic yeah when i when i first moved to hollywood i was you know just trying to do trying to make money and so this guy this rich guy who owned a motorcycle dealership and fancied himself like the next george michael right he uh he, you know, like hired me at a, a and Brad Wilk, I think, did a, sex, a session with him as well, uh, like at very expensive rates to make his masterpiece, which was very much like a musical version of The Room, too. There was so he just he just pay for it. He just pay for it. Just pay for like to make his Odyssey, and then and then when a couple years later, when Rage Against the Machine broke, he he demanded that. I take him on tour as our opening act. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was like, you've never played a show in your life and your record is super weird. <laughs> well, I guess the, the thing with this kid is, is he's, I think he, his thinking is if you book them, they will come. So he's manufactured, he's manufactured a fan base that doesn't exist. It, and, when he, right. <laughs> and, when, and when he got to these venues, no one turned up because the people don't well, exist. But the weird thing is, since, since all these articles started writing about how there was a fake band that right. had zero people coming to venues, he sort of got fans based on that. In the same way the guy who made The Room now is a celebrity. Exactly, for, yeah. yeah for- so there, there's, one, there's one avenue for you there, kids, if you want to get yeah. popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of different routes to the top. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have a question for you guys. So, in in the world when you're playing in your electronic world concerts, is there a competitiveness between the acts on a bill? Because yeah. in the world yeah. of rock and roll, there certainly sometimes is like a almost a sports like competitiveness. Do you have that? I think it's. I mean, we've played both sort of metal rock festivals and. Uh, the electronics and more EDM festivals uh, with with both projects, and I think almost the the electronic ones feel more uh, competitive, but not not in a friendly way. Not yeah yeah yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's 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 smiles, it's it's smiles and kind of skull thuggery behind your back, that kind of thing. Like there's there's always the rumors of someone paying to be a bit louder than another person or someone oh, having louder right. equipment. So yes. I guess I guess it's probably the world over. I feel like the the, the rock world for us was nice. Everyone was nice. Everyone was nice. Yeah, people are generally nice, but we've in in all of my bands, we've had it. You know, we're we're pretty sporty, and we've always had that kind of competitive. For many many years, Rage Against the Machine refused to accept a headline slot on shows because we always wanted to be in the stalking position. You know, we always wanted to we always want to make some, good plan somebody look bad. Yeah, good. That's a good plan. <laughs> it's, it's all about being in the tent. Fuck the main stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. The tent, right? Exactly, exactly. So I read on. I read somewhere, I can't remember, it was some interview ages ago, that uh, you were a member of some uh, film festival along with, uh, I, think it was, I think it was Michael Moore. I'm not yeah, sure. it's Michael Moore's film festival in, uh, in uh, Flint, Michigan, or Travis, the Travis City Film Festival. Yeah. Cool. And that, you know, Mike's been a bro of mine for years and he asked me to be on the board of the film festival, so I'm on it. I, I go there like once every five years and it's a beautiful little city. <laughs> hey, are you a film fan in general? No, I normally, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm among the unique small subset of humanity that doesn't particularly like movies. No but, you, but you're a Star Trek guy, aren't you? I love Star, yeah, the Star Trek movie, I'm there. I've, I've, always, I've always wanted to ask you what it was like to meet Sir Pat Stew, another, a fellow bald, a fellow bald man like myself. Fantastic. Like I was, uh, you know, that was uh, during my unemployed years in Hollywood, we would just sit around and watch Star Trek all day and all night long. And so I had a deep and uh, undying love for the, you know, for sort of the, 
the sci-fi geekiness and the oh, intelligence yeah. and the wonderfulness of that world. And I still watch Next Generation, you know, pretty regularly. Uh, but yeah, so I used some of my rock power. It turned out that the, <laughs> the producer of the producer of the show's son happened to be a big fan. So I inveigled my way into, you know, Paramount Studios and got like the full tour of the all Oh, wow. Sitting all chairs and all that, you know. Um, and then I was on, the, I was in the movie. I'm actually sitting in my my TV room right now. I'm looking at a picture of me in full five hours of makeup. I was in the movie um, Insurrection. Insurrection, yeah. And uh, my five hours of makeup. The funny thing about that was I would go, you know, like you have to be there at three in the morning to get the makeup on so they can start shooting at you know eight. And I'm yeah. sitting in this, with, I'm sitting in this chair with these other. Sona, that was our alien race, Sona characters, and all that are so miserable. I think this is such a shitty gig because I'm here so early and get the makeup on, and I'm giddy like a little kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> I'm like, isn't it exciting? Did you get a weapon and some props? I got a, yeah, I had like some sort of lasery gun, and I didn't, uh, I didn't bring it home. I did bring home, I was in the TV show Voyager as well, and I got to bring yeah. home my colors for that, so it was pretty cool. What, the communicator? No, no, I got home my colors, like my, 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 my shirt. Oh, cool. Like my, yeah, my gold shirt, yeah. Do you ever yeah. think about just wearing it into town? I've worn it to a school gala. <laughs> but you're being an embarrassing dad. I'm not scared. No, the kids don't go to the gala. It's just like drunk parents. So. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, anyway, this, 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 this little fun quiz that we do, and it's, um, this week it's, it's got sci-fi sounds in it and stuff, so. Great. I yeah, I think you'll dig it. And basically, the premise behind it is like if you can guess like an element of how they were made. <laughs> oh, geez. Then that's a point. Is, okay, I mean, I, I'm already predicting I'm going to be O for whatever, but go on. There we go. <laughs> Don't, right. no, no one's ever beaten me in a quiz, so <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm always, I'm always beaten in a quiz. <laughs> All right, here we go. And we even got some game show music. Okay, so I'm supposed to guess what made that sound? Yeah, just have a pun. Well, that's just that's just the that's just the backing music. I'm gonna guess that's a keyboard. <laughs> that, is, that is a keyboard. Correct. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, first sound is uh, an obvious one. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's a lightsaber. That's true. Now, can you guess what made the original sound effect? Ooh, I've heard this before. That it was some something that was put in front of a microphone like a vacuum cleaner or something like that that's yeah, my guess. yeah that's pretty that's pretty much right it was a uh, it was an idle film projector's motor and a buzz from an old tv set so i'd say okay i'd say that's something a point we even got the <laughs> we even got the game show effects um all right guys this one's so this is for me this one's for you uh Right, give me context. What, what's All right, that's is the, it Jurassic the, Park or something. Some sort of, feels like some sort of attack is happening there. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's some sort of an, some sort of non-human creature. I'm guessing some large, either mammal or reptile. Is it? Uh, is it supposed to be dinosaurs? It is supposed. Yeah, it's the it's uh, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Oh, it's the it felt it felt Jurassic Parky to me. Yeah, oh, oh, I'm going to guess there's got to be a bear. There's got to be a lion in there somewhere. Uh, you mean how they, how the, they really made it? Yeah. I think they mic'd up a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> they have those in Hollywood? Yeah. Oh, that's not real. All right, what is it? <laughs> yeah, the, mo the movie was real. Uh, Jeff Goldblum actually went out there. And, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an alligator, a tiger, baby elephant, and air escaping a whale's blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> 
all to make one. I guess the T Rex would probably be proud that it took that many animals combined. To make to one, change. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did I get that one? Yeah. Uh, I forgot the sound effect. Yeah. There we yeah. go. All right. Uh, one, it's one old Tom. Next one's for next one's for Tom, uh, and this one should make a bit more sense. Do you recognize that's, that? That's some sort of blaster, some sort of laser blaster. They, it's not entirely sure, but I heard like a, I heard a rumor. It was um, copied from the 1954 film War of the Worlds, which kind of which had one that sounded like this. And they say they just copy the same sound effect. So that's the photon torpedo from the original Star Trek series. Ah, can I hear that again, please? It is. It's such a cool sound for the seventies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I may. I don't think I get that one because I got a. Because I think that I said blaster, which was too, a small. <laughs> st- I want. I want to keep the integrity of the quiz intact. But no. you guys can make. But, but, guys, but, but what do you re- what do you reckon was used to make it? Like a, a stab in the dark. Ooh, ooh what was used to make it? That's right. Because um, given it was the seventies, that is a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Go. I'm absolutely stumped on that one. Couldn't tell you. All right. Oh, I'll yeah. play the fail sound effect. Uh, that one was a, uh, a, a metal cable under tension mic'd up with a contact mic. What, so they just hit it? Oh, so like sort of a spr- like a boing, boing, I see, yep. yep. Yeah, kind of like, like a spring verb, but like right. a single yep. wire. Yep. All right, Gaz, uh, this one's for you. Um, let's go with this. That's that's the sound that the aliens make in War of the Worlds. Oh, that's right, yeah. The new one, yeah. But how... How do you think the sound was made? Uh, an elephant? It's like <laughs> it's elephanty. <laughs> that's a... Uh, oh, it's like it's been... It sounds kind of synthy. Is it like a synthy elephant? <laughs> no. Uh, that one was a didgeridoo and a djembe drum. A didgeridoo, Aussie. Oh, oh, oh. oh, sure. I hear that now, yeah. You, you can hear it afterwards, but before it makes... Yep, yeah, yep, it's yep, weird. yep. Anyway, that's math. Well, I mean, I think you know, we, we it's a draw. Yeah, give it, give it's us a, draw. a dr- give us a draw, give us a draw sound. I don't have one. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll play this instead. There we go. Right on. Oh, that's a well. That that is a very that's fascinating. And and so now you 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 Wikipedia how these sounds are made, or is there like some website that reveals all sounds from all shows and movies? Yeah, there's like some sound effects nerd site that I found with all with all sorts of details on them. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Sound effects nerds. Well, um, what we usually do when we have a guest uh, is at, we have a segment called the Metal Minute where we let the guest or us pick a metal song that we, and, and we sort of we end the podcast with us and, and play it out. So, um, so I guess we'll, uh, we'll thank you for coming on. It's been good to chat again. Yes. Um, I, it's, it's always great chatting with you guys. Now, when now it's it's hard to get a commitment for you guys to to rock another jam. Can we make this public and like book a time to do it? That's a, that's a good plan. Corner us on, corner us on the air, and uh, that, <laughs> so we'd love to. You guys yeah. are so squirmy. <laughs> Put it in the books. Yeah, man. So send me down some jams to my to my email. And we'll, we'll get something done. Call you out on that stuff. I will. I'll, I'll send you some stuff and let's figure it out. That's okay, amazing. Sounds good. Um, so as far as a metal jam, I mean, I, I have two two suggestions. Uh, one is I don't know if if 
listeners, if there are any listeners that may not be familiar with Battle Sirens, I said we play that one because that's metal. And if it's if it's we're gonna go straight up metal, I'm gonna go with Dio era Black Sabbath Mob Rules. Nice, Damn. nice one. Yeah. That deserves an applause. <laughs> I have a little sound machine. Um, so yeah, okay, we'll we'll play that out. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. And we'll uh, look forward to the uh, care package you sent to our email address. Fantastic, I'll send you care. It's always great talking with you guys. Safe travels, and I hope our paths cross soon. Thanks, nice one, bro. Mate. See you later. Right. Cheers, guys. Bye. All right. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, good to chat again. Hopefully, he sends us some bits. Should we play his metal minute? Let's play that metal minute. I'm Run not going to play the theme this week. It's 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 played out. Here it is: uh, the Mob Rules by Black Sabbath. No! 
This stream is now finished. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion.